And then it crystallizes into something so powerful. Because listen, biblical strength, strength under control, meekness, they are victorious. Why? Because when somebody is not focusing all their attention on what is temporal and material and temporary, but what is eternal. Pastor Daniel today will be investigating the connection between meekness and peace. Being meek is the biblical definition of strength. It's you having the strength to accomplish something now, but controlling that strength for a longer-term goal. It's not focusing on material, temporary things, but looking to the future and God's everlasting plans. This brings a peace in your own hearts and a peace in how you deal with the world around you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 5 and Galatians chapter 5 as he continues his message, The Beauty of Peace. One commentator said that meekness is strength under control. So meekness is the ability of a person to be strong, but not have to show their strength in the exact same way. See, the strongest person is not the person who snaps and shows everyone how strong they are. The meekest person is the strongest person is the person who can handle the situation and chooses not to. That's where true strength is. It's funny, you know, my son Obadiah just turned 13. You know, I can't believe I'm a parent of a teenager. I don't know how that happens. It's amazing to me. But, you know, Obadiah is 13. I mean, he's wearing my clothes, like legitimately fitting in them. He's got bigger feet than I got. He's got a little mustache going. I keep telling him, you're going to have a beard and dress. He's like, no, you know. But he's at that age now, and especially with he has two younger sisters, you know, it's like where I'm like, buddy, you can handle your sisters physically. You can do that. You're stronger than they are. I'm like, but the strongest person knows he can do it and knows that he shouldn't, so he doesn't. And that's what meekness is. You want a great definition of meekness? Take the word meek, M-E-E-K, and put a hyphen in the middle. Me, ek. It's pretty good, right? Now, think about it in the progression of what we've been seeing. If you're poor in spirit which leads you to mourn, now all of a sudden, meekness is the reality that you have allowed God to divorce you of your self-focus. Where the self-aggrandizement, the me putting my self forward, the best version of me, all of a sudden you're like, you know what, that's just all a show. Like, really, when it boils down to, when I look at myself, I'm willing to truly acknowledge that... I'm not enough. And my friends, I'm here to tell you, if you can get to a place where in Christ you're me, 
it's one thing to say, oh yeah, man, I got to be over myself. I got to get over myself. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing to actually verbalize it, isn't it? And especially the person sitting next to you who knows that about you already. You know what I mean? And so, so there's this reality there where they know that you don't have it all together and you know you don't have it all together, but it's one thing to know it and it's another thing to be able to say it. Right? But if we're poor in spirit, and if we mourn at the brokenness of the world in which we live in, then all of a sudden we're like, you know what? I ain't so bad. How many of you guys remember Rocky? Come on. My Italian brother from Philadelphia. So I remember, so when I was a kid, Rocky Three came out. Those of you who are kids now, Rocky like 97's out. You know? But Rocky Three was out. I remember Mr. T was in Rocky Three. You know, and I remember, and that, and I want to spoil it for you, but I remember, like, you know, Clubber Lang, he was a bad dude, and Rocky was a stud, but you know, he he was resting on his laurels, you know, and then ultimately in that last fight, Rocky's looking at Mister T Clubber Lang, and he's saying, "You ain't so bad, you ain't so bad," and, and then like Michael Jackson, you know, not bad meaning bad, but bad meaning good, you know what I mean? You know, like, and for you guys who don't have any reference of Michael Jackson is or Mister T or Clubber Lang. You're just young and praise God for that. Everyone else, you know what I'm talking about. You know, and the idea is, is that like, that reality, like, you ain't so, like, that, like, you don't got it all together, right? That's what meekness is. But really what meekness actually does, meekness is not, if poverty of spirit is upward, right? It's us acknowledging who God says we are. Then blessed are those who mourn is inward. It's a disposition of the heart, and then meekness is now outward. Where now all of a sudden you have the ability to embrace other people without being pompous, without being arrogant. With Jesus increasing and us decreasing. Now, even though our culture doesn't value it, don't miss the fact that Jesus characterized himself as meek. Listen to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, classic verses. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, or the same exact word as Matthew chapter 5, meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, Jesus is saying, look, no matter who you are, no matter how busted up your life is, no matter how much mangling you have done to your life or other people's life, all you who labor and are heavy laden, you can come to me. Like, come on. He's like, take my yoke upon you. And that idea of a yoke means, like, take my work upon you. When a cattle was yoked with another cattle, you put the two together, and there was strength in numbers. Where it's like, you know, like if you can lift 100 pounds, and another person can lift 100 pounds, together you can lift 300 pounds. Right? And the same thing, you like, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you'll find rest. See, Jesus in his perfection, in his incarnation, was still in a place where he knew that God was everything. And he was willing to be born in a manger instead of in a castle. And he was willing to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey instead of on a white stallion. And he was rather be surrounded by tax collectors and sinners than by the greatest minds of his day because none of that stuff mattered. Because he knew what really mattered, which was the pleasure of his father, his life being beautiful in the eyes of his father. And so people loved to hang out with Jesus. Little kids thought Jesus was the coolest guy around. 
disciples are like, no, Jesus is too busy for you. He's like, no, no, let the kids come to me. Of such is the kingdom of heaven. Don't forbid them. The tax collectors, they love to be around Jesus, even though he didn't partake with them in the rebellion against God. The way he carried himself in his meekness and lowliness was so inviting. And brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ and you are truly embracing with your heart and lifestyle all that God is for us in Christ, meekness becomes a default characteristic. You know, and I feel so blessed by this because if there was an adjective I would use for my own bride, it would be meekness. My wife Lynn is what I would consider to be textbook meekness. I remember when we first got married, I'm from Jersey, and so I moved this sweet, angelic California girl to Jersey. It was a rude awakening for this poor girl, you know? First she got married to me, that's a rude awakening in and of itself. And then the environment in New Jersey. Now, what's funny is in, in New Jersey where I live, we used to joke that New Jersey is where the weak are killed and eaten. You know what I mean? And so, and it's pretty true, actually. You know, it's like, there, I mean, there wasn't cannibalism there. There was a lot of Dunkin' Donuts. But, you know, it's like, <laughs> but it was funny because we get married and, and Lynn just walking with the Lord. And she's like, man, we need to start a women's ministry. But all the Jersey women are so strong. Like, you know, bombastically strong, you know? And Lynn would just be like, oh, okay. You know, just like, so like, you know, mellow, calm. And, you know, and some of these women, they would try to handle my wife, you know what I mean? Because they're strong. You know, strength not under control. And I remember one of them, finally something had gone on, and they're like, you know what I realized about your wife? I'm like, yes. What'd you realize? Like, meekness is not weakness. Your wife's strong. I'm like, yeah, she is. But she doesn't need to show it. And brothers and sisters, listen. In our insecurities, we want to flex our strength. In our insecurity, you want to take the best picture with your tummy sucked in. And, you know, you sit there and do like a hundred curls before you go up there. And you're like, you get a little vein in there. And, you know what I mean? A little bicep vein. And, you know, and, and everything we do is to show how strong we are. But for the child of God... All of that is a sham. And we know it's a sham. Now, to make this even more powerful, notice what it says. It says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, what this means is that biblical strength will be victorious. Now, I think this is so fascinating to me because... Actually, there is one place that I heard of meekness before I heard it in the Bible... And that was from the very controversial American theologian, Frank Zappa. (laughs) I'm sure this is the first time Frank got mentioned from the Crossroads pulpit. So like, you know, I end up, now listen, I'm not recommending going and listening to Frank Zappa, okay? Unless you get his instrumental stuff, then you don't have to worry about it. Some of the lyrics are way off the side, you know what I mean? But I remember he had a song called The Meek Shall Inherit Nothing. Now, If you want like a Jesus and Frank Zappa difference of opinion, that's it right there. And all of Frank's lyrics and music were designed to push out the other side. So I remember hearing that and being like, the meek shall inherit nothing. And then when I read the Bible for the first time, I'm like, oh. Now, remember I said that biblical strength will be victorious? See, really what you have is that our culture says the strong, the aggressive, the harsh, the tyrannical, they'll inherit the earth. The government with the most bombs, the biggest army, 
the greatest tanks, the top technology, they're going to be the victorious ones. And Jesus says, "Uh, actually, no. The meek shall inherit the earth. And the idea of the earth speaks of the land. And if you know the Bible at all, the whole Bible is about God, the people, and the land that he's giving them. Now, what's amazing is, is this beatitude quotes exactly Psalm 37, 11. It says, but the meek shall inherit the earth and they shall delight themselves in the abundance of what? Peace. <laughs> Why? Because the fruit of meekness is what? Is peace. Now, do you think that's by chance that Psalm 37, 11 links The meek inheriting the earth with peace. And then the third beatitude and the third fruit of the spirit are meekness and peace. Does anybody think that's by chance? No. It's not by chance. Because the spirit of God is the deepest, most amazing architect. Where all of the word of God starts to come together. And then it crystallizes into something so powerful. Because listen, biblical strength, strength under control, meekness. They are victorious. Why? Because when somebody is not focusing all their attention on what is temporal and material, and temporary, but what is eternal, and everlasting, right? What you realize is that the inheritance of a land, how many of you have ever looked at maps from different generations? It's always changing, right? Like, you look at a map from the times of the Roman Empire, and look at a map now, right? Rome is now just a little city. Italy is just a little place. There's a million nations, right? Why? Because when we live our lives focusing on temporal strength to acquire land to help fuel our insecurities, what you're doing is you're grasping at what is momentary. Can we just be super honest? We all do this. If we're honest, if I'm honest, spend so much time grasping at what is temporary. But the meek receives a greater inheritance because the inheritance of the children of Israel of the land is actually foreshadowing a greater inheritance, which is the new heaven and the new earth that God has promised to the followers of Jesus. Now listen, the fruit of meekness is peace Why? Because meekness leads us to this reality of what it means to be in Christ. See, if you're poor in spirit, right? And poor in spirit leads you to mourn. And then mourning leads you to treat others without any sort of aggression or harshness. Your strength is under control. Now, all of a sudden, the peacemaking God who has made peace with us, gives us a peace that now we move in peace as a person of peace in the world. Now, what's so beautiful is the word peace in the Greek, this word erene, was literally the way that people were greeted. How many remember the Apostle Paul said what? Grace and peace. That was like the twins of Christian greeting. God's grace, charis, and Iranian peace. And it speaks of the, what was in Hebrew is the word shalom, which you guys realize that that was the Jewish greeting, right? 
hello and goodbye, shalom. Now, shalom is powerful because shalom literally means the way everything ought to be. It's everything working together the way it ought to. It's well-being in its most ultimate sense. How many of you think you could use a little peace in this world? How many think we need to give peace a chance in this world? See, again, now quoting our, one of our favorite English theologians, John Lennon. See, John had it right, but he had the way to it wrong. I mean, he couldn't even keep the Beatles together. Good night. You know what I mean? If we would have given peace a chance, we would have had a million albums after Abbey Road. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like there's, a, there's generations of music that we could have still had from those guys. Why? Because real peace comes from a right relationship with God. The Bible really teaches upward, inward, and outward peace as well. And you guys know I love the upward, inward, outward framework. We get that from the greatest commandment. I had to write a book. I'm like, I can't believe no one wrote a book on this before. You know what I mean? Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That's upward. And then love your neighbor. That's outward as yourself, which is inward. All of our lives are lived in three directions. And the only way to have outward peace is to first have upward peace and then inward peace, which leads to outward peace. And my friends, all of this comes to us in Christ. All of it does. Why? Romans chapter 5 tells us that Jesus made peace with God through his death on the cross. That's upward. Jesus came on a rescue mission and he said, look, I am going to die on the cross for all the things that you have done wrong. All of them in totality, total life, all the mistakes. I'm going to deal with them all in one shot. Not only just for you, but for the whole world. I have enough power in my death on the cross to forgive everybody. If everybody would turn from their sins and turn to me, that's the Bible word for repent. That's what it means. To turn from your own way and turn to the Lord. And if you do that, now you are at peace with God. Because before that, you were God's enemy because of your rebellion against him. Now, I say that, and the Bible teaches that, but I realize that a lot of you don't believe that. And let me explain to you why you don't believe that. Because I remember the first time I heard the gospel as a 20-year-old kid. And I'm like, yeah, you know, me and God are cool. And I know what one of my friends said to me, classic Jersey line. Well, yeah, have you ever really asked him? ho, 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 ho. So if you're one of the person who said, me and God are cool, have you ever asked him? Because you know what? If you ask God, are we cool? If you're not in Christ, he's going to say, no, we ain't cool. You live in violation of everything that I hold dear. You live in such a way because it's about you in a way that is completely in rebellion against the way life's supposed to be. Listen, if you are an autonomous person who lives only for you, every single decision you make does not promote peace. It rips peace apart because it's only about you. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you have God's peace, now God totally changes the way you make decisions because you're like, it's actually not about me. And it's actually not about you. It's about God and God's good earth that's gotten all mangled by all these mistakes that I make and everyone else makes. And I'm not supposed to just keep making mistakes, but God's asking me to live differently. So I know some of you have bought the notion of our culture that by nature of being alive, you are entitled to God being good with you. But that is another failing of an entitlement culture. It's another failing of it. Where... In God's heart to say, but because you're alive, we good. 
Let me make it more personal. Because I really want to press on this. Because I, I, listen, I realize a lot of us think that me and God are cool. Even though I don't believe in Jesus and I live my own way. Let me ask you a question. Let's say you're married. Or if you're not married, let's say you have a committed relationship, right? And that person says, hey, listen, you know, so I'm just going to go out and mess around with all these other people. We cool, right? How do you answer that? Great, we're cool. No, you don't. No, you don't. You know one answers it that way. Unless you really don't care about that person. And it's part of your side hustle thing that you got going on. But that's not love anyway, right? And so if that's the case, if you ain't good with that with someone doing whatever they want to do, and you're cool, then why would you think God's the same way? Well, you do whatever you want to do, and God's cool with that. It's not even logical. It's like, it's not even realistic on any level. Imagine you own a business, and one of your employees is like, hey, listen, yeah, we don't have any money in the till, because you know what? I used it. You know, we cool, right? I want to get me some cool pants. You know, it's snowing. We don't get a lot of snow here, so I went out and got me a snowmobile. Because that'll be fun. You want to ride it? I got it in the back. And the rest of the money I put, I got some gas for it. We cool? How many bosses are like, yeah, we cool? Great, man. Fun, let's do it. It's not logical. So the idea that you and God are cool if you live however you want, that's just bonkers. That's bonkers. Now, I feel like I can speak directly about that because I lived that for a lot of my life. My friends be like, so what about God? My like, mean God are cool. And then finally, 20 years old. Did you ever ask him? <laughs> you know what happened when I asked him? God showed me that we are way not cool. That all these areas of my life showed that I didn't care one bit about God or other people. I just cared about me. And then when I put my faith and trust in Jesus, what I realized was that God made me at peace because Jesus took the punishment that I deserve for all the mess. And because of that upward peace that Jesus bought for me on the cross, then all of a sudden it says in Philippians chapter 4 that he grants us the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And that, my friends, is inward peace. See, the upward peace with God now leads to an internal peace because God's universal shalom now guards not only my heart, but my mind in Jesus. And once you have upward peace and inward peace, brothers and sisters, now it leads to outward peace. Where you and I become people of peace in a world that is broken. See, The fruit of meekness is peace because meekness says Jesus has increased and I need to decrease. I'm over myself because I'm really into the Lord. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel today shared that being somewhat of peace deals mainly with your relationship upward, inward, and outward. Your connection with God when filled with peace creates a peace within yourself. You see your heart and soul as your creator does. That leads to desiring and pursuing peace with the people around you. This is the best way to develop meekness in yourself and spread peace to the world. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, 
Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time to learn how hungering and thirsting for righteousness leads to patience. Pastor Daniel, we'll encourage you to not just live for Jesus, but to yearn for it. Society encourages longing, hungering rather, for the wrong things. Though they may be legal, they don't lead you to Jesus. His way is always the right way, and waiting for His reward is better than satisfying it now. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.